So if, if you were to ever look at the list of what's called the, the seven deadly sins, you probably are aware of some of them, and they've been around for a really long time. There was a, a monk named Evagrius, and he started a monastery, and they just kind of like looked out from um, sitting outside of humanity and identified uh, seven things that they feel like are often easy for us all to fall into. And you, if you were to read that list, you would see like lust, pride, greed. It's basically just like, yep, 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 I struggle with that one, that one's an issue, that one's an issue. But there's one at first that perhaps you wouldn't recognize in yourself. And it's hard to recognize exactly what it means uh, for all of us. And that um, is sloth. It has a cute uh, animal associated with it. So that might be part of the problem. I just want to hug that little sloth uh, right there. And when we see a sloth or think about sloth, we think, this is not all that big of an issue, especially because you all, like, work in the U.S. You know, you work 60 hours a week. You have two side hustles, right? And you have all of these things. Everyone's like, hey, you do? <laughs> you are looking at each other. But you have a lot of stuff going on. There's a lot on your plate. There's a lot that you're going through. And so when you look at that list, you're like, well, at least I don't struggle with that one. But it turns out it might be a root of an issue for all of us. The word sloth comes from the Greek word uh, Acadia, and there is an element of it that it's laziness. And perhaps you've seen someone in your life who just laziness seems to have taken over his or her life, and it's almost a wasted life because that person just can't really seem to snap it together. And the scriptures talk about somebody like that. In the wisdom literature, Proverbs chapter 6 has one of the great lines, go to the ant, you sluggard, which I want to make a shirt that says that. Uh, Consider it's ways and be wise. It has no commander, no overseer or ruler, yet it stores its provisions in summer and gathers its food at harvest. How long will you lie there, you sluggard? When you get up from, when will you get up from your sleep? A little sleep, a little slumber, a little folding of the hands to rest, and poverty will come on you like a thief and scarcity like an armed man. Another part that Proverbs discusses a sluggard is one of my favorite lines. A sluggard buries his hand in the dish. He's too lazy to bring it back to his mouth. That's a great image, and I, that's real laziness because I'm pretty good at like the eating part and just continuing to eat, and like I've never gotten to the point where I'm like, oh, the chips, and you just like leave it there. But that's a really great image. And generally, when we think of sloth, like that's where we're at. We think of you know like a little cuddly animal, or it's not like that because it's just somebody who perhaps has, has ruined his or her life with laziness. And again, you probably know somebody tragically who's done that. But it's not just that. In the book of Ecclesiastes. Uh, Verse 10 and 18, through laziness, the rafters sag because of idle hands, the house leaks. So there's an element of sloth that is, is, is laziness, but it's not just that. It's also just not doing your due diligence in the things that you're called to take care of. There's a concept called entropy and thermodynamics. Like once you take a boiling pot off the stove, what does it do? You guys have never done that before, I guess. No, you said it stops boiling. Like if you disconnect it from its energy source, if you don't pour energy into this, then it stops boiling. If you don't give some effort and some due diligence the things that you really need to, eventually, the rafters are going to sag. There's a quote 
that says, forgive me for letting love die when it demands action in order to live. That's by Anonymous. Anonymous was a very wise person. <laughs> but forgetting, forgive me for letting love die. It demands some sort of action. I can't just assume that the most important things in my life are just going to work themselves out. And this is why I think Sloth might be more of an issue than we might think, because I think if you were to describe yourself, especially in pre-COVID times, and maybe right now it's getting increasingly more like it used to be, one of the badges of honor in the U.S. is just, I'm just really busy. That's our way of actually saying I'm important. I got a lot of meetings to go to. I don't know if you've heard about this, but I have many leather-bound books back at home. Like, I have all this stuff. There's all of these things that I have that, like, make me feel significant and important. And it's like showing up to a place and working really hard. And the issue is we can work 60 hours a week and not do what we're really supposed to be doing. We can go get the promotion and not like being with our family. Or we can just get busier and busier and busier and walk away from a faith community or something that's really important to you, something that is worth giving your life to. So it's easy to be slothful and also very busy because you and I have specific things that I and that you are called to take care of, and it's hard. And those things are difficult. We have to recognize at times that it's worth it. Last week, we talked about Mark chapter 8, which I would say is, is the center of Mark's gospel. And Jesus is having this moment where he's asking the disciples, who do people say that I am? And they start throwing out some really significant people, John the Baptist or one of the prophets. Like they say some really significant people in Israel's history. And then Jesus says, but who is it that you say that I am? And Peter says, you're the Messiah. And then Jesus says, well done, Peter. That's a great answer. Now, let me tell you what that means. It means that I'm going to have to go suffer and die. And then in one of the great verses of all, all the scripture, Peter then says, no, I, I'm not really comfortable with that. And so he takes Jesus aside to rebuke Jesus about what Jesus is about. It's like, I, 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 I'm comfortable following you for certain things, but no, 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 that, hey, Messiah, that's not what the Messiah is. It's just, it's just hilarious. Peter, like, pulls you to say, hey, just FYI, you're talking to some people who aren't really going to like this definition, so you might want to clear that up in the next presentation. Like, it's just the 12 of us here right now, but, like, eventually you're going to want to, like, kind of rebrand yourself because this isn't super comfortable. And then Jesus says to Peter, get behind me, Satan. It's always a bad day when Jesus calls you Satan. But what Jesus is getting at is Jesus is human. He, he's struggling with this. We see him right before the cross praying, please take this from me if you can, because I don't want to have to go. Is there any other way that I can do this? Jesus understands that he's about to go to Jerusalem and he's going to call religious leaders whitewashed tombs. He's going to make people very upset. He's already upset people because of the kind of people that he's hanging out with. I love a quote that I found a while back that says that Jesus was killed because of who he ate with. I think that's true. So he makes a lot of people upset. He could, like, it's easy for him if he just knows. He's, he's God. He could go, like, on an easy path and keep things pretty simple. But he says, get behind me, Satan, because what God has called me to is hard. And that doesn't mean that God hasn't called me to it. 
So there's a temptation for all of us to be called to hard stuff and to give our lives to things that are difficult. And at some point go, this just costs too much. I'm not in this anymore. There's a pastor named Mark Phillips who describes Mark 8 like this. Jesus is giving himself fully to the healing of the world. He's going to give all of himself to resisting the way the world is. And in resisting, he's also going to forgive. He's going to die for the sins of the world. He's going to take it all on himself. And there is a cost to this kind of action. There's a sacrifice that he must make to do what God has called him to do. There's always a cost when you do the right thing in the world. And Jesus says, I'm willing to pay it. Ever notice that when you're doing something that's significant, there's a cost? The things that are, are most worth doing cost you a lot. Maybe it's relationally, financially, physically. Sometimes you've done something which you think is your gift to the world, and someone tells you it's not great. You're criticized. It's bruised you and wounded you and hurt you. But on a deep level, you know it's worth it. Sloth says, it's not. Just give up. Don't put yourself back out there. It's vulnerable to be in relationship with other people. It's, it's vulnerable to take up your cross. Just because something is hard doesn't mean that you aren't called to do it. I think about how oftentimes people can view churches today. It's like people will, will come and they'll have a checklist of what they hope to find. Number one, a handsome preacher, which is number one for a lot of you guys, I think. That was my son. Thanks, Carter. So oftentimes we, we, we show up with, with this, this list and whatever happens to be on your list, if like, it isn't exactly what you're looking for, they're like, I'm just going to go find something else. And oftentimes, I mean, hopefully you aren't looking for a handsome preacher, but um, there are things that legitimately are on there. And oftentimes like, we come and we go, okay, well, I want them to already agree with pretty much everything that I agree with. And I have a word for that. It's boring. Like, if you aren't among people who are different than you, who sometimes, like, rub you the wrong way, who sometimes are, are going to offend you, like, community isn't found like you're just walking down the road and there's, like, gold on the side of the road. Community is forged. It's about learning to love people who sometimes are hard to love. It's about being vulnerable at times. And Sloth says, you know, when, when something gets a little bit hard... I'm out. And then you go try to do something else. And it's a little bit hard. You're like, I'm out. Sloth says, just keep yourself safe. Don't put yourself out there anymore. Don't do the hard work. And ultimately, Sloth says, you know, there's probably some other group of people that'll just love you perfectly out there. Who will just love you for exactly who you are. There's some other job where the boss is just gonna 100% appreciate you as you need to be appreciated. 
or there's some other spouse out there who's just, just going to just understand you better. Or there's some other place that's just going to just make things better for you. And this is why the, the monks who first came up with this concept of sloth, they called it the noonday demon. Because when things get a little hard in the day, you've been up for a few hours. And if you're a monk, you've probably been up since like 4 a.m. praying. So noon is a little different. It's more like our 3 p.m. probably. But it's the, the noonday demon. Once you're just in like the little bit of a slog of life and things are a little bit hard and you just start to escape. So Evagrius in the fourth century wrote, this demon drives the monk along to desire other places where he can more easily procure life's necessities, more readily find work, and make a real success of himself. He goes on to suggest, after all, it is not the place that is the basis of pleasing the Lord. God is to be adored everywhere. He joins those reflections, joins to those reflections the memory of the monk's dear ones and of his former way of life. So back in the past when everything was so much better, even though like I chose to come and be in this monastery for a reason, perhaps, like back in the past when there was something that, that made me just, just feel so much more loved and, and, and adored, or in the future, if I moved to some other place or if things were just better because of what Whatever it is, it's not going to do the work that God has me to do right here. And I'm not going to recognize that I can't just escape from one thing to another. Because God has called me to be in this place and to learn from this moment, to do some hard work the soul. I saw an interesting and sad study this week that said that they were studying adolescence specifically, and from 2012 to 2018, which is when this study ended, there was a dramatic rise in loneliness among teenagers in 36 out of 37 countries. And it's not just teenagers who are struggling with this. It's everybody. But I think it's especially hard to be a teenager right now. And one of the reasons why it's hard is because being a teenager is hard. I think about how hard it would have been for me. I, I was famous in my high school for thrift store shopping. And I used to wear a T-shirt that said, best buns in town, around to my high school. So... <laughs> Glad there weren't a whole lot of pictures to be taken around then. And I think for teens today, one of the things that's hard, and they said in, in this study what the people who are studying this think it might be, is technology. Because there's just a way to escape. Like actually, like becoming a friend with somebody takes risk, it takes vulnerability, it takes putting yourself out there, and there's just a place that we all can escape to. And this is not just teens, of course. This is, everybody is dealing with this, and loneliness is on the rise basically at every demographic, very dramatically. And we, as a church, we call ourselves a home in, in L.A. because we believe that the type of friendships that can form here in this church, like, they matter because it's an epidemic in our world. It's, it's an issue that is everywhere. People just aren't engaging enough with others. 
There's just a way that you and I can constantly escape into a world of our own choosing. Instead of trying to do the hard work that's in front of all of us, that's hard, but ultimately is so meaningful. It's easy to escape. And what I think is so dangerous about sloth for all of us is it cynically dismisses the life that you already have and the gift of that life. Even though there's complications and your life isn't perfect, my life isn't perfect, there's things that stress me out, there are things that are hard, there are things that we all struggle with and deal with, but oftentimes sloth just says, I'm just going to escape to this different world. When God is calling us to engage more fully in the world that we already have. I was really thankful during uh, the pandemic about eight months ago, randomly on my phone that just shuffled as I was listening to a playlist to a song that it was actually a remake of an old song, but it says uh, throughout the song over and over and over again, how lucky can one man get? And I've tried as a spiritual discipline to listen to that song every single day. Because when I think about my life, how lucky can I get? And there are things that are hard about my life. There are things that are hard about your life. But how lucky. It's not a gift because it's easy. It's a gift at times because it's hard. And you need to fully engage. And you need to be willing to give yourself and not just go into this protection mode. Because your life, my life, is a gift. And sloth says, it's not. Rebecca DeYoung says this this way. She says, sometimes marriage or other friendships feel euphoric and energizing. Other times they're tedious, empty, wearing routines or just plain work. The point is that being committed to any love relationship takes daily nurturing, daily effort, and daily practices that build it up. Neglecting these will slowly break the relationship down. Kathleen Norris once said that married love is eternal, but it's also daily, about as daily and unromantic as housekeeping. It is through daily practices and disciplines, whether we feel like doing them or not, the decision to love is renewed and refreshed, and the commitment of love is kept alive. The slothful person in this sense is one who resists the effort of doing day after day whatever it takes to keep the bonds of love strong and living, living and healthy, whether he or she feels particularly inspired about doing it or not. And this, of course, is, is true. They talk, she talks a little bit about uh, marriage relations, but it's true in any relationship. It's about choosing somebody else. It's about choosing to get out of, of your life in your own head to go and like spend time with somebody because they matter to you. It's about choosing to continue to, to show up and, and be part of, of communities, whatever that looks like, even at times when it's hard and it feels more like a wearing routine. It's so interesting because some of you, 
I've been part of the church uh, for a while here. And it's interesting, like, if we get to talking about, like, the church and, like, what's happening or whatever, like, as we think about, like, the past and what goes on, like, we end up talking about the weird people, right? And if you're here today, you're not the weird one, don't worry. But you end up, you end up talking about like the weird moments that happen on a random Sunday or, or the person who is just a little bit odd and a little bit hard to love, but it's those people that you just kind of brings you a little bit of extra joy because there's something about being in a community of people that, that you don't choose, that it sometimes is hard for you, but in so many ways, it's good for you. I was asked to preach a funeral on Friday, and it was a friend of a friend, and so I was at the funeral, and as the funeral was over, the woman came up to me, and she was just saying, thank you for, for my words. She was talking about how, like, this is the first time the family had been together in a really long time, partly because there's some arguments over finances and things. I know there are some people in our church who are experiencing that uh, right now, but there are some arguments uh, within this, this family about, like, what it is that's going on, and all the things, and that's very common. I'm not judging those people. That's a very common thing that families experience. But for that room, like, I could tell that most of them weren't church-going people. And I was thinking about how, like, that kind of stuff, I mean, it's so common. Uh, things happen. Families get into arguments about all of that stuff, about care and all those things. It's, it's, it's difficult. I think about how like in community, in a church community, like we get a chance to practice forgiveness often, hopefully. And if you aren't practicing forgiveness often, you're not going to be good at it because it's not natural. It's not something that's going to be easy for you. So as you think about any sort of community or person or relationship that perhaps like is hard in, in this specific moment or it's been hard for a while. Can you just not check out? Can you re-engage? I bet there's something or someone or a relationship that comes to mind for all of us if perhaps I just ask you the question, where is it that you need to re-engage with hope? Where do you need to just say, all right, you know, there's some issues, there's a past, but this is not like, just going to be easy for me as I continue to move through this, but I am going to choose to re-engage in hope in this moment and in this instance. Because I need to grow in some of these areas. I need to, as Jesus would say, die to myself. Because that's what it's about. So may we all not cynically dismiss the life that we have. Because God has some work for you and me to do. May we choose to enter in once again with hope and to say, I'm not just going to give up because it's hard. In fact, at times, I'm going to choose to pursue hard things. Because I know that it can be worth it. So I just want you to think for a moment as we pray, what is an area of your life that you need to re-engage with hope? So let's pray.
God, may we choose not to escape the life that we have because it is a gift even though it's not perfect. I pray that we would all seriously think about something that we need to re-engage. Because there's hard work that you've called us all to do that we need to get back to. Help us not to avoid it or to run from it but to recognize that you have called us to do important and at times hard work in the world. Please just guide us as we try to do that. Your son, Jesus, and I pray, amen.